I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. Today, we have Judy Cerullo back on the podcast. We're going to talk about how she sold and exited two locations, I believe, in the state of Oregon. This was right before the financial crisis, right before a recession. We're going to get into all of that and more, as well as some tips for you as practice owners watching or listening. If you're thinking about the process of exiting or selling, what types of processes and systems that you might need in place and things to consider either before or during the process. Before we get into that, Judy, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. (laughs) Good to be back. (laughs) Great to have you back. So Let's get into a little bit of your story. So practice owners, they reach out to me all the time. They love the anecdotal stories of other practice owners exiting and selling, and they get to hear the pros and cons of that situation that they went through. So practice owners in the audience, they like to understand what are some of the anecdotes or the nuances of of potentially selling and exiting their practice. They can hear from other practice owners offline, but on here, we're trying to aggregate a little bit more stories of maybe practice owners that they haven't connected with in the past. So whatever you're comfortable with sharing, if you can just give us a little bit of a, a background to your practice, the locations, the growth, the size of it, and then kind of leading into the whole exit story. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give the uh, short synopsis of my first practice was in, in the 80s. It was in California. So I sold that practice to another practice owner without a broker or anything. Do I remember exactly what happened? Not really, <laughs> given it, it was like almost 40 years ago. And so, uh, but, or less, but I, I sold it by myself to another business owner and had a help with an attorney. Did I consider all the things that we talked about? No, I just, because we were moving to another state. Then the two practices I had on the East Coast were very, they were small. And one, I merged with another practice because I knew we were going to move again. This was, a piece. So I merged with another practice and we just collaborated and shared back and forth. So what he gave to me, I gave back to him in a different way. It's unheard of in this day and age. So yeah, but then you go into back to the West Coast and I had practice there with a satellite and the satellite was in a small little rural area. And so I could see that things in that area, when we did all the due diligence, everything pointed to the direction of a really big growth area. But because of some other, I'm just going to call it geopolitical kind of things, regulations in that area, the growth and development did not occur. And so I knew, I just, my gut told me I needed to, to sell that satellite and focus all of my energy on the mothership in another area, which is like 30 30 minutes, 30 miles away. So that, and that was the initial practice. So I sold that that satellite. And then one month later, 2008 hit. So my timing was fortunate and good, but that was because the growth wasn't occurring and it had been open 
probably three or four years and it just I could see what was happening in that area and it wasn't it wasn't going to survive. So sold that piece and went back to focusing just on growing and developing the mothership of my practice, which is the one single site. And I think as we I became I set up infrastructure and systems knowing that I wanted to be able to back away more. And so that was the initial plan. At that time, I had not planned to sell. I just wanted to be able to practice less, but grow and develop people because I realized at that time that was the important thing. And that was partly what I was missing. So I set out to ensure that the systems and the processes that ran the business were in place. What do I mean by that? Really just systems, meaning do you have all the systems in place to make (laughs) have your business be a smooth operating machine? And be able to navigate through all the darn changes that occur with with insurances and regulations. Every time we turn around, there's something new. And it's just, and it's so hard to keep up with. So that was a big challenge. But then the other piece for me was, how do I bring people up and develop them to be able to make those decisions and run the business the way in which I would like growing them? Because I learned a lot about people and revolving door exits. Let me tell you, you have to have systems in place that support the success of your people. Because when people want to buy a business or they don't just look for how much revenue you're bringing in. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But they need to know that that the structure of the business can support all of the revenue generating pieces that go in place, but the success and growth of it. They need to be able to see the stability and see the growth potential. So that was an important piece for me and to make sure that I had people in place on staff that supported that would be a viable piece. I wasn't active selling, actively selling my practice. I was looking for a new clinic director because the one that worked with me was moving due to family reasons. I just had somebody come to me and say, I see you're looking for a clinic director. Would you even be interested in selling your practice? That was how that happened. I was and in a highly you, desirable area. You were approached that way for the, the main practice location to sell that location? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had to go out. I went out and found a buyer for my satellite. I actively went out by myself and contacted people who might want to buy that practice in that location. How did that go? You just did, you know, you just cold called local physical therapy owners and got them on the phone. Like, how did that go? Businesses that were looking to acquire other businesses. So they were private practice groups and I just called them. So we went through all the due diligence and all that type of stuff. And at that time, you know, the, the valuation of the practice was pretty good. Even though we were having trouble growing it, it was stable. And so I did all the communication. Yes, I got an attorney involved in all the legal stuff. But as far as the initial connection and contact and discussion, who knows better how to talk about your business than you, the owner? Is that the way you do it now? Don't know. Yeah. But the owners can talk about their business from the emotional side, but they have to make sure they have the numbers to back it up. What was the size of the practice, the main location, when you were then approached to potentially sell that one? Like in terms of staff or volume of patients? Um, Yeah, we probably had 15 staff. And they were all, so 
like maybe 10 or so therapists or 13 and then a couple front desk folks or aides and assistants? It, it varied. So we didn't have any assistance at that time, but we had some aides, a couple of aides, and then front office people. At one point in time, I had five because front office, because I you had to do all these things. And then eight therapists, it fluctuated. It absolutely did, you know, because that's what happens to all of us. Yep. Right. And so, yeah. So it wasn't a large, large, large. It was my largest. But the systems and the processes and the way you deal with people, it's the same. You have to have that structure and infrastructure. So that's really that's really what I set out to do. And then turns out I became an absentee owner. And because we moved again, we've moved a lot. So I just managed remotely and went to the business every six weeks, treated patients a little bit there. But I managed remotely, did lots of Zoom and regular meetings with staff and developed the staff members to handle those those issues. And then obviously then sold it. When somebody asked me, I said, yep, it's time. Didn't look back. So the first set location you sold was a month or so before the 2008 financial crisis? Yes. And then you sold the main location approximately when? Five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. So a lot, um, much more recently. Mm-hmm. Yep. Got it. Yeah. And I hadn't planned on it, but uh, somebody asked me and it's like, yep, it's time. That's where my identity kicked in. That And that takes us back to the previous podcast. I knew it was time. I didn't question that. But had I gone through all of the other questions that I'm now working with business owners on? No. I had not. Got it. How far away did you move, did you say, from you literally became an absentee owner by it sounded like you moved out of the area. So you went and checked in on the practice every six weeks physically. So how far away did you move? I don't know, miles, but uh, probably a 20 hour drive. (laughs) Got it. So, yeah. So it was a distance. It was a distance. And I did that for four years. Wow. So the, the location was where again? In Oregon. Oregon. And then you moved to which area of the country? Arizona. 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 Got it. How did your mm-hmm. staff, because there's a lot of practice owners probably listening, watching that might be interested in this. You know, maybe they have a practice in the Northeast and they want to snowbird in Florida or, or whatever the case may be. And there was, oh, there was something that we wanted to get into about, there was a story that we can kind of circle back to. You had a, an example of a colleague or a client that tried to become this. It tried to become a, an absentee owner too quickly. Before we get into that, what were like, how was your transition process of becoming an absentee owner? And if there's practice owners watching or listening, how can they learn from you to do it in a seamless way that maintains morale and culture and all that without conflict or I don't know, whatever could arise or, or things changing when you're not you know, physically there? You know what? That, as far as introducing the fact that a practice is going to be sold, here's a dilemma. So I'm going to answer it probably in a different way, Dave. But here's a dilemma that many business owners that are, are planning to sell or they have the offer and they don't want to lose staff. So what do you do? How do you communicate? Yes, we talk about transparency as far as what's happening, but every single business owner that I've talked with, and we talk about this transition communication rollout 
is if you tell your staff too soon that you're selling, you fear people jumping ship. I did. I feared that same thing. And part of that is because the buyer dictates how you roll some of this out, how you communicate this. Is there's this, you know, you've got a, a non-disclosure and you've got some of these other agreements that you have to really pay attention to and you have to honor. So that's the hard part. If you have a culture set up and you have an infrastructure set up where the business can run itself fairly well without you doing everything or micromanaging, that's a big step. It still doesn't address the morale piece and what do you do? How do you communicate that? Boy, I'll tell you, every situation is different. And I had a practice last year that was selling to a larger organization. And I worked with the CEO on every step of the way as far as communicating, crafting conversations, how to address certain questions without breaking the agreement he had with the, the buyer so that they became transparent. It turned out very successful. People did not jump ship, but we had regular conversations about crafting communication and conversations that honored the buyer, but kept the morale of the team up. Yeah, because that's a huge stressor for a business owner. Absolutely. And did you have a strong clinic director and leader already in place? And how did you ensure that there would not be any, you know, morale issues or revolt or, you know, a culture clash, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. But 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 in terms of clinic director or leadership, did you have someone there that you had already coached and trusted and all that, and you knew it was going to be okay? Or how did that go? Well, I did, but this individual was see leaving for family reasons, even though I had developed him into that position, and so I was on this. I was actually in the recruitment mode for a new clinic director. And during that process, that's when somebody approached me and said, you know, I've, I've wanted your practice location for a while because it's in a good location, good part of the town, blah, blah, blah. Would you be willing to sell? So at that point, the clinic director, the timing was interesting because the clinic director was leaving for a new area. At the same time, this individual approached me about buying it. And did you tell the potential buyer that your long-term clinic director was going to be leaving? Or did you mention that they, later on in the process? They knew that. Mm -hmm. They did know that. And maybe yeah. were they comfortable with that because maybe they had some leadership that were going to be yes. kind of in installed in Bingo. there? Bingo. Right there. That's exactly right. They already had it pictured in their mind what they were going to do. Because that, that could scare off some buyers, but if they are, you know, if they had already had X amount of locations, they already had a leadership team and maybe they had a, a clinic director or someone that they had already groomed somewhere else to kind of move into your location. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. They already had it planned out, I guess. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming you were relieved because you, you know, because that would scare off some buyers. So you mentioning that is certainly very very nice and uh, and forthcoming to tell a potential buyer that. But maybe did you know that they already had a long track record and that you assume that they would have some leadership that could step into your they, office? 
they did tell me that. Here's another thing that we, we can't get into today, but there are some questions that business owners should actually be asking potential buyers. Yes. So flip the script there. It's a two-way interview. It is a two-way. It's a two-way interview. So there are some questions that they need to think. It's not just all about them being quizzed and questioned, but flip the script and ask the potential buyers these questions. Right. I'm going to let you run. You got to go. If the audience, if you're listening, watching, and you find this helpful, valuable, subscribe to the Dave Kittle Show on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, in the show notes, we're going to have Judy's email address, website, and LinkedIn link. So you can click over to her profile and connect with her there. Judy, really appreciate your time. This was awesome. I think this topic of becoming an absentee owner is not discussed too often, but it's something that I think a lot of practice owners would be interested in as a way to transition out. And we didn't really cover it. Maybe we could cover it another time, but arguably you could in some cases, get a higher purchase price if you're already out of the day-to-day because otherwise the buyers have to kind of replace the practice owner if they're treating patients, if they're spinning up a million plates and doing a bunch of roles and responsibilities. If that sounds like you, you should probably reach out to Judy because she can help you take some of that stuff off your plate you know, via coaching and all that. But anyway, Judy, thank you so much for your time and this was great. Thank you. It was a blast. We'll talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or You can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.